Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast Member, where I chat to Disney cast members from all walks of life and, of course, all walks of magic. For today's episode, I will be speaking to Kevin, who sprinkled his pixie dust in Disney's Epcot. And I wouldn't normally say this, but it was all the way back in 2005. So I am so excited to get stuck into this conversation. So hello, Kevin. Hi there, Bradley. How are you doing? How are you doing this evening? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me uh, on this podcast. Um... So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a pleasure. I want to see. No, thank you so much. I'm so, like I said, I'm so excited to get stuck in. So we don't have bundles of time in this podcast. So I'm going to say, let's get stuck in. It sounds good with you. Sure. Let's go. Yep. Let's do it. So, oh my God, I, can't, I feel like I'm speaking to Disney royalty here because 2000, <laughs> to have someone from 2005 and the story that you're going to tell us in this podcast is just I've heard a glimpse of it and I'm just, I'm just buzzing right now. Like I've had a, I've had a long day at work. I'm like, I had a drive home and I'm like, no, I am fully ready to go for this. So what was the inspiration for applying for this uh, program in the first place? And also was it yummy jobs back then or was it a completely different system? It was yummy jobs back then. Yes. That's mad. So yeah, yummy jobs back in 2005. The application process back then was an online uh, form followed by a telephone call and then a face-to-face interview or casting. I think it's still potentially called the same. So that's how it worked. Uh, Quite a unique story with my interview is that they gave me the date to be interviewed in Hammersmith in London, but I was unable to attend uh, for the simple reason that it actually clashed with my holiday in Walt Disney World, which I already booked. So I told them, uh, thinking that they might be able to do something else for me. And they said, we're really sorry. We can't. We do need to see you. It must be face to face. And then I thought outside the box and said, are you interviewing anywhere else than London? They said, yes, we're doing Glasgow, but it is four days later. I said, fine, I'll be home. Amazing. So I flew home, um, actually got picked up by my mum, moved from Gatwick over to Stansted, flew up to Glasgow, slept the night. And then I was in a room full of Scottish and uh, Northern applicants. And then there was this little Southern kid from Kent there. And when they said, okay, you've got different accents to the rest of why you're here. What are you doing I said, I'm very sorry, but yesterday I was in Walt Disney World. (laughs) That is crazy. No way. So it probably done me a favour, to be honest. It it showed the commitment that I wanted the the role obviously and uh, 100% got the good news so but I mean also to be to you must have just been buzzing through that whole trip also bricking it like on the flight home yeah, but like absolutely. buzzing the entire trip thinking I could actually be working here like that is what timing right yeah absolutely and I also had the the best sort of like prep for it because just a few days I was in United Kingdom Pavilion in Epcot <laughs> asking the cast members, you got any tips, got any hints for me? You know, what questions are they going to ask me? How can I be best prepared? And Amazing. I remember spending that flight home researching the history of my hometown in Maidstone, Kent, because <laughs> I didn't really know much about it. But no. um, I knew that they would probably ask me at the interview and they did. So yeah, perfect. Amazing. That was the same with me. I remember I had, I'm from Malden where they um, make Malden sea salt. So um, I was, I remember, yeah, I didn't know anything about Malden sea salt until my interview prep. And I was like, okay, I'm going to smash it. I'm going to pretend like my whole life's been about more than Cecil, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> got to do it. Bring the Disney magic in straight away. Um, and finding out that you got that job, Kev, I imagine it just was, it would just was the dream, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd always been a huge theme park enthusiast, love roller coasters, love theme parks. And I would 
I would say at the time that I liked Disney, but I didn't love Disney. So I was, of course, keen to go. And I'd been to Disney World on family holidays. And as I mentioned, I'd just been with my friend. But it was only when I worked there, then I really kind of got ingrained in what Disney was all about. And it's pretty much taken over my life, to be fair. So um, I was absolutely ecstatic. I was working at Safeway at the time. So I am showing my age here. Um, (laughs) For those that don't know, Safeway was what Morrison's used to be. Um, And I was very happy to, uh, to leave my job stacking the produce shelves to go and take a year over in sunny Florida. So amazing what 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 a glow up right yeah, <laughs> just a bit and um, so then to get stuck into your crp experience so you were supposed to be out there for a year obviously that did get extended a little bit which we'll touch on a bit later but yep. tell me i'm sort of going to leave leave the ball in your court here tell me what it was like being on the cultural representative program 15 years ago um probably very different to the recent <laughs> years so. um I think the whole, uh, you know, making life lifelong friends and the actual role itself are probably very similar. Yeah. I think it's the things around it that were very different at the time. So uh, back then, all um, cast members that worked in the UK Pavilion were housed at the Commons. So you lived oh, wow. and worked with all of your colleagues. So yeah. that was nice. Uh, you, you know, interacted before work, after work and, and yeah. everything in between. So that was cool. Um, my first apartment I was in a room or I should say an apartment with four bedrooms so eight people all from different countries so that was really nice straight from day dot to interact but they were all either working at Epcot or in other international places on the resort i.e those that worked at Animal Kingdom Uh, my roommate was from South Africa Um, so 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 that that was that was great fun um I think some of the biggest difference was technology certainly didn't have all of the the fancy things that people have today. Yeah. Um, I took over two and a half thousand photos when working there on my digital camera that I carried everywhere. <laughs> um, so no smartphone or high definition no, pictures not for at me. All. Uh, how many, do, you it, remember how, do you remember how many photos you'd max out at and then have to have to transfer them over? About a hundred, I think. So, uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and this is at the time I also had my MP3 player, which could store 25 songs. So That is uh, yeah. hilarious. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. And and, um, and yes, yeah, so you you were you were in on the merch side of the pavilion, right? Correct. Yes. So, what right. was the? I I don't know if you remember what the positions were then, but obviously you got the Twinings tea caddy, you've got the Sportsman Shop. Um, yeah. I was on Food and Bev side, so I'm showing my lack of knowledge on the merch side here. But Queens, yeah, yeah, yeah Toy Queens, Soldier, yeah. Uh, the Pink Heart, or which you got British Revolution were street. recently playing as well. Like what? So what was the situation like over there? Had it has it changed much since that? It's not changed at all. Really? The only, thing, the, the only thing that's changed is where the uh, till or the cash register is in the sports shop. It's the other way around. They moved. They literally moved it to another part of the shop. But so what does I, that what does that feel like for you walking into that store from? Because obviously there's going to be a point where I do that. I, I walk into the Rose and Crown and it's going to be like, oh my god! Like obviously 15 years it, ago. What is that like for you now? It's really strange, um, but it is enjoyable. It's lovely to go back and you know reminisced on all the amazing times that I had there you know with my with my colleagues uh, now with with my with my wife and yeah. my son it's yeah it's a, it has a special place in my heart but literally nothing's changed I think the buildings have had a lick of paint um, and a few other things here or there um, there's obviously different music playing on, on the bandstand it was yeah. British Invasion back then Beatles wow. five times a day no so, way um, yes 
They were like, invasion sounds a bit too intense. Let's make it a, a revolution, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was an invasion five times a day. Trust me, it was uh, a little bit too much. But um, it, was, it was good fun. And uh, you, you you made good friends with those that were performing, you know, backstage as well. So yeah. and, um, it was a great experience. Amazing. And I obviously want to touch on the way that you met your wife, which is, yep. like you said to me before this call, it's completely sculpted your life completely yep. so tell me about that yeah many people saying we should write this into some kind of novel uh, and it does sound like a disney fairy tale <laughs> so um it it go it, it was uh, it was in 2005 towards the end of the year and uh, my wife uh, with her younger brother and her mum and dad came into the sports shop where i was working at the time and in merchandise, everyone will have those three or four moments where they're with families and you just get on. And this was very much the case with Julianne, my wife, and her family. We must have spoke for a good hour, at least, talking about all things British, whether it be music, sport, culture. They just, I could tell, had a great affinity for the UK. Yeah. And we just got on very well. They bought a few things from the shop. Um, I... I, I liked Julianne straight away. Yeah, it was that. one of those love at first sight moments. <laughs> um, and they bought some items in the shop. Um, they did package pickup. So they didn't want to carry those items around the park for the day. Wanted them delivered to the front of the park so they could take them out as they exited. And when they left the shop, I packaged all the items up. But then I slipped a little postcard in there just saying, hey, <laughs> it's a... Uh, it was great to talk to you today. If you want to stay in touch, here's my email address. Email address? I love it. That's an, so cute. <laughs> an email address, yes. Um, it was a, a little card with the UK on. I drew a little X with a little arrow saying, I live here. Um, really cheesy stuff. But um, but amazing. Was, like Yeah. Amazing. And the story continues. So, um, you know, they carried on with their day uh, at Epcot. At the time, what I didn't realise, but I then soon uh, understood at a later date, was that Julianne liked me as well, but at the time was shy and didn't want to pluck up the courage to ask for a photo. So we never had that photo from that day that we met. Right. She came back to the pavilion later that evening, as she then did have the courage to do so, but I'd finished for the day. So no. I was not there, and she thought that was the last time she would ever see or meet me. And has she, has she got the postcard at this point? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, she's got. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. it's okay. at home in Canada, where, where she's from. She's right. from Montreal in Canada. Yeah. But wait. But I meant, has she? So at the point that she's come back to the pavilion to to come and see. Oh, you. I understand. No, because the package pickup is at the front of the at front of the right. park. So she had no idea until later that evening when they got back to their hotel where they were staying and they opened up their goods that all of these items come out. Uh, there was a beer mug, a beer mat. And it's really weird because I go around, obviously, their house at least once a year, yeah. um, especially at Christmas, to go and, you know, go and see her, her mum and dad and spend time with the family. And all of these random items that I used to sell in the sports shop around yeah. their house, it's just so <laughs> bizarre. But there's the Beef Eater pub sign. For those that remember those, I probably still sell them, to be fair. Yeah, it's I'm still sure. on the wall. Um, but as they were unpacking the bag, uh, Julianne then noticed there was a postcard in the bottom and she had my email address um, wow. and that's where we started to stay in touch. Um, some years had passed uh, about three years after that and then we uh, started chatting more frequently it was a hey do you remember me kind of thing yeah. and then the chatting never stopped um, you know once a week came once a day which came multiple times a day 
And we very quickly realized after a few months, and this is back in 2009, that actually it was a little bit more than friends and yeah. a, a subsequent trip to, to London with her family, the first time I've ever visited this country in 2009, um, met meant that we kind of reunited and met wow. um i say for the first time uh, the first time bar the hour we spent in the sports yeah. shop and the rest is history long distance relationship got married in june of 2011 and uh, next year we'll be celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary that is that is crazy kev that is absolutely crazy <laughs> when you and you know what the fact that it spanned over such a period of time proves yep. that things don't necessarily have to just happen overnight. Like it, yeah. like it is, it, thing, things can take time and you can come back to these people that you knew there was a spark there. Yeah. Um, absolutely, it's absolutely ma- crazy. I'm glad that technology did improve by 2000. <laughs> it did mean that we were able to talk more frequently. Uh, Definitely. And this was back in the day of having a BBM on BlackBerry Messenger, wow. um, MSN Messenger. That's how we first started talking. And then obviously Facebook obviously came in and that made things significantly easier. Definitely. And obviously, like you said, you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary next year. How has obviously Disney is the root of this, like you working in that pavilion at that point, her family coming, her and her family coming at that point, it really is like a right place, right time situation. Sure. How um, much has Disney still got an influence in your life and in your relationship? Do you feel like it's still such a big root when it comes to where you guys are now? Yeah, it it really has. Um, You know, I look around my house here at Christmas and everything that's decorated has got a Mickey on it, whether it's the (laughs) table runner, the tree and its decorations or uh, ornaments around the home. Um, We're not really one to be playing sort of like the latest hip hop album. We've, you know, we've got Reflections of Earth playing in the background or something. There's so many different things that have influenced our life. I mentioned earlier, you know, we've got a son, my son, Yoan, he'll turn four in January. Wow. He, um, we found out that we were having Yoan um, a couple of weeks after a return trip from Walt Disney World. So um, they, it was obviously definitely magic in the air because we 100%. brought home a little surprise. Uh, his middle name is Orlando, so it's ingrained on him for life. So uh... <laughs> I can't. I'm just my cheekbones are hurting from how much I'm smiling <laughs> during this podcast. It's oh my god, so amazing, and all from all from that one decision to go and like get that plane to Scotland, go yep. to that interview and it's changed your life. It, it really has. It's kind of driven everything. Um, there's so many people don't really understand how life changing it was. And you'd experience this Bradley as many other people that are on, on your podcast that unless you've done it, you don't really understand it. And the, the, the easiest comparison I can give is if anyone watches I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, you'll see that the contestants on there, you know, create that close bond and they all have a sense of understanding that they've been through something together. Yeah. And this was exactly the feeling that I got at Disney. And I can tell you and promise you that, you know, 15 years on, it just doesn't change. You'll still okay. be friends with the friends that you were on your program and be sharing those memories for the rest of your life. I love it. I, I just, do you know what I love is that we still talk, me and my Disney friends, we still, it's so funny as well that I still call them Disney friends, but yeah. they're obviously my friends. But it's yeah. so they're your Disney friends. You're allowed yeah. to say it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just so weird that we, so we can talk about the same stories 
a thousand times like they happened yesterday and you never get bored of them like, like it's it just it just is so it's like you're in this time loop of like it doesn't matter we can this this is eternal like we're gonna this is gonna be in our minds always um and it's funny that you said kev about i'm a celebrity because me and my friend sabrina on the program we always refer to it as big brother because yep. it was it was like you lived together you worked together there's this weird like sort of hierarchy going on as well that sure. does happen. Um, you've got people you really get along with, people that you sometimes a bit like, I'm gonna stay away from you because mm-hmm. you know, the, there's them people as well. But it just it just is the most oh magical year. And oh my god, where was my love story? I'm jealous. Like sorry, Bradley. <laughs> that's yeah. <all> right. <laughs> I, I just have to do another program when it's all back and running, you know. <laughs> um Let's jump into housing because that sure. you said you were in the Commons. Um, how was what was your housing experience like? So you said you lived your first apartment you lived in. Did you move around while you were there? I did, yeah. So I moved. I was. Uh, I had two apartments. So uh, the first one I was in for about five or six months, I think, and then right. I moved to a one-bedroom apartment, which was wow. wonderful. Um, nice, peace, and quiet, and. Yeah. Uh, you only had to share the same size fridge with one other person, not seven. <laughs> so that that was always really useful. I remember it. It was it was uh, twenty three thirty five. So for anyone that knows the Commons, um, in you go. Take a right. One from last building, the penultimate one um, on on the uh, at the end there. So wow, on the so you had a long floor. walk to the bus then. Long walk to the bus, but <laughs> I genuinely didn't mind it. Um, no? I, I loved the I loved the the Florida weather, um, yeah. and it was something which just really wasn't a problem um, yeah, yeah I, do I, I don't know if it was there in 2005 but there was I'm pretty sure so at the back of the commons yep to the left so if I'm looking at the last housing the part, last part of housing in the commons and just to the left on the outside is a longhorn steakhouse that's what's yes. there now and I did, yep. that was there before and yep. whenever I my I had a friend that lived in the in one of the last apartments i can't she'll listen to this and she'll be like oh my god 23 35 that was fine um but i remember there being a uh, i remember that longhorn steakhouse i'm like how good would it be if there was just like a, a gate that you could just tap out i'd be there all the time honestly it was super convenient being there um i i made use of a lot of the local amenities so back then uh, you could walk through the church car park and access the outlet mall you didn't have to go all the way around or anything so really? you could be in the outlet mall within within five minutes that was wow. super handy and yeah. if you went the other way around um me and my roommate we used to have a weekly mini golf competition at pirates cove over at crossroads and that was sort of like a 20 minute walk a little bit further um but again you know with, with the with the weather and and everything uh, felt very safe environment yeah these, these were just the things you used to do in in your downtime 100 percent, 100 percent. um I, I, again, I could ask you all the questions in the world, but I, I, I want to, I want to jump into guest experience because yeah. I think that is something that is from the, from the get go since Disney opened. I think the thing that's really, that, that has stolen people's hearts is the, is the guest experience. I know it's what, and it's not, it is about the rides and it is about the shows, but at the end of the day, it's the fact that you feel when you're in those parks and like, you've never felt before because of the way that you were treated and that is like royalty um do, are there any guest experiences that still stand out kev to you as like as 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 those magical moments uh, there were many i um i actually got a, i can't remember the name of the gentleman who was the uh, who was the president of epcot at the time but i received some quite high recognition uh, only a month into my role wow. and someone had taken the time to write a letter to him just explaining uh, that they felt you know 
very welcome and the fact that I had paid special attention to their son and one of the seven service guidelines was to always address uh, children first before their parents and right. you know family comes in is oh hi morning princess how are you doing or oh, how's it going um, little man you know that kind of stuff yeah and I got recognition for that and it just kind of surprised me a little <laughs> um, but it was such a lovely comment and uh, and praise to receive um you know literally within my first month of the job yeah i think it was actually one of the advantages of working in merchandise and and trust me there were some huge perks for working in food and bev um including trips that guys went on cruises and everything like that because of the additional income that you got from working in that but the one thing I would never, ever take away was the luxury of, of having conversation and not being told off for having it because yeah. you knew you had another table to serve or something because Definitely. I understood the time pressures of, yeah. of working in food and bev. And in merch, it was a little bit more of a relaxed culture. Um, and that's something that, that suited me. And it was, like I say, great to you know help families. I remember we would I would have a conversation with, with a family in one shop and obviously knowing the route that they would walk to go through to the next shop. So I'd give my colleague a call in the next shop. Hey, stay, there's, a, there's a little girl coming through. Her name is, you know, Rebecca. Um, when she comes in, just say, oh, you must be Rebecca. Um, we, we've been waiting for you. Where have you been? And little, little things like that yeah. um, that were just so easy to do, but had so much value Um, and when you saw the parents smile it just made your day it does you know what it does and it just you can be having you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed have the worst day the buses the buses like got you to work like I once got on the on the wrong bus to Epcot and ended up at Wilderness Lodge and I was absolutely furious about it (laughs) and, and I remember I remember that day because I just had amazing guest after amazing guest and it just turns your day around like it really does um it does yeah and i think i I think we could do a whole podcast about guest experience right absolutely yeah (laughs) um i do i'm gonna annoy i I should have mentioned this before and i'm annoyingly gonna jump back a second because i know that i know that people will want to know this but the outside of disney culture is also a massive part of people's programs so i'm just gonna shout out a few names i don't know like as in as in places people go so you've got happy mondays um lads and lasses cowboys i bar i don't know if, you, if any of those things were a thing back then but are there, were there lads and lasses certainly was yeah. yeah so my lad's name is one that is clean and can stay on your podcast <laughs> amazing uh, it was Saint-Tropez because i used to use a lot of my free time um sitting by the pool uh, topping up my tan Love so n- n- nice uh, family friendly one for you there uh, others Amazing. maybe not so no definitely um, not and do you what about your lad's number what do you do you remember oh, no you idea um but i do have my lad's top it's it's in it's in the loft so Amazing. Did, didn't get rid of that um, Amazing. our local um drinking spot outside uh, of work was uh Benigan's, which is no longer there okay so Benigan's was opposite crossroads actually uh, right. next to volcano golf there's yeah. a walgreens there um so it used to be situated there Monday nights, again, a big change from, from recent years was PI, Pleasure Island. So it was Monday nights were cast member nights. At Downtown Disney, right? Absolutely, yeah. 
So number of uh, nightclubs there. Uh, Planet Hollywood used to offer one dollar beers for cast members what? before before 10, 10 p.m. No so, way. Uh, yes, um, I think Disney clocked that and stopped that um, shortly after I left. Thank you. <laughs> so I would have been I would have been a regular um, Planet Hollywood goer. <laughs> but it, it, it was um, yeah, it was like I say, very different to to probably what what occurs now. But I think a lot of the principles are, are still there. It's about those extra things you do outside of work. I also joined a football team, um, something really unique. So before coming, I did some research to see what the local leagues were like. Didn't want to not play football for a year. Uh, Got in contact with a a German guy who had his own team and and was happy to recruit me. So every Saturday, uh, fortunately, my shifts were favourable that I could play every single Saturday. Um, And so I joined a a local football team and made friends outside of Disney as well. So that was a really cool thing to do. Amazing. And with all of those things, your America experience on a whole, it sounds to me like you really just got stuck in there and just was like, this is, I'm, I'm, this isn't temporary as much as it is temporary. And we know, we all know it is when we go out there, this isn't actually a temporary situation. I'm going to move my life here for a year. Like I'm getting to live in a country. It's very hard to live without this program. Yeah. Obviously you got that three month extension as well, which I don't know if you want to touch on a little bit about, but yeah sure but your america experience on a whole can you summarize it uh that's the biggest question in the world i do apologize (laughs) it is isn't it um it it was life-changing it's as it's as simple as that absolutely life-changing i mentioned earlier on it changed me you know know, as a person uh it made me care for people uh, more often it made me less selfish um it made me grow up and and it was at that age where I really needed that. So having that life experience, not being around your family, but being around friends and who were complete strangers. Um, you've got to remember that you, you turn up unannounced. Yes, you might have, you know, interacted with some of them before you go on, on forums or via Facebook groups, etc. But you didn't really know anyone. So yeah. you had to, it was like starting school, your first day at your new job again. And it kind of forced you into, into that environment of being an adult. And yes, I was fortunate for my program to be extended by three months. I'm a February birthday and I arrived turning 20 years old. Now I started in March. So I had 11 months of being 20 years old (laughs) in the United States. So um, when I had one month of being 21 before I was due to go home and then uh, Disney asked me to stay for a further three months. They had some issues with some recruiting for the next batch and asked uh, if I was happy to stay on quickest yes I've ever said in my life. Yeah, I can so, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was fantastic. Um, yeah. And at what, what point was it that you met Julianne? So was that at the start of the programme, the end of the programme? It was near the end of the programme. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, near, near, the, near the end of the programme. Um, shortly, it was actually just before Christmas. So. Right. And then I bet, I bet for the rest, I, I mean, I'm sure that she was in your mind. I mean, that you get that romantic gesture and then you're like, you know what? Disney magic has happened. I'm going to stay here as long as I can and just keep doing it. Yeah, I play a joke with her telling I put cards in everyone's package pickup. She's, <laughs> she's the only one that replied. So uh, no, genuinely, <laughs> she was the only one I did, uh, oh, hand on heart. So um, Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Aside from, I, I'm sure that, that the highlight of your programme really is that moment. Like it's something that you, I'm sure... I mean, I know that it's something that you reminisce about all the time, but yeah. if you, aside from that, putting that postcard in that, in that package, was there a highlight of your programme? Something that stands out as a top moment? I think becoming a Disney trainer 
for me, actually. Uh, and interestingly, my career has moved on into uh, sales and sales management. So wanting right. to kind of share on best practice and, um, and, you know, enable those skills to be adopted by other people is something I've always just been really um, interested in. Yeah. And I think becoming a Disney trainer was just something really cool. You know, you got your little badge with Jiminy Cricket on. And, yeah. um, I remember my very first day, and uh, this is something I wanted to share with you. My very first day, um, I was being taught in Queen's shop, which is where they sell perfume and handbags yeah. and stuff uh, by my trainer at the time, Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa, if you're listening. A <laughs> um, couple of hours on the till. And then we got a message to say, oh, um, we've been asked if you want to go and try out the new ride. And I was like, new ride? What's that? And it was Soaring. So we did cast member previews for Soaring. Uh, and, I, and I did that two hours into my very first shift. What? So I went on to Soaring. No, no, wasn't open to the general public. And I went on Soaring. Um, so a amazing experience. Um, one of first the first day. people to ride Soaring. Yes. That is and I did it in my costume. <laughs> I can't. I'm dead. I can't anymore. I can't. It's too much. I'm literally crying. Like, this is too this much. Is, this is, and back then, the costumes were um, a slight change, but of a similar theme. Knee-high white socks. Um, yeah, love them white socks. Grey trousers and a sort of like open, um, sort of like collared white white shirt. Right. So, yeah. That's quite a change because it's, it's like a dark brown now, isn't it? That's, that's the, right. That's the main base of merch. So, yep. crazy. Wow. I mean... I do, do you know, I think on my first day, and it's weirdly something I, I have recorded my own episode of this podcast with Sophie, and something I didn't share was that on my first shift, I had to go and do, I mean, it's not as great as yours, I, that you trump all over mine, but, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I, but it's just funny to talk about that first shift, because I do think that you, you have, no matter what happens to you in your first shift at Disney World, you, you do, I don't know, you just it sticks with you. And I remember having to go to Lost and Found and I didn't really know. I mean, I only knew my way to the front of the park from, from the Rose and Crown from being on holiday, really, yep. to be honest. And um, I remember walking like through the UK pavilion just as Illuminations was starting and thinking, wow, like this is, this is my job. Like I'm doing this. And I mean, to, to get, to ride Soren is one of the first people in your costume on your first day. Like, it's mad, what? isn't it? <laughs> did you just call your mum and be like, "Listen to what I did today"? Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, that, that, that is, I think that's exactly what I did. It was, yeah. it was there was so many of those, you know, moments and memories that I was able to share, you know, back home with my with my friends and family. But um, but yeah, that was a that was a really special day and one certainly I'll never forget. 100%, 100%. Well, Kev, we're coming to the end and I, I could talk to you forever. I, don't, I mean, it, it, I, I'm, I'm loving this convo, but I do, I do have one final question for you. Sure. Something I ask all of my guests in this podcast and it's a really tough question because I know we all just are craving Disney right now. We all want to be in the parks playing and doing what we do best and that is being in those parks. But um, if you could go to any park in the world right now, do whatever you wanted to do, it can be a park, a resort, a Disney, area a Disney cruise where would you go and what would you do so um, as you're probably aware you know being a former Disney cast member there's certain rules you can have a favorite park a favorite ride this certain <laughs> yeah. other. so uh, knowing this question was coming I, I kind of thought about what would be the perfect experience and yeah. for me it's brunch at California Grill um, oh. at the Contemporary Resort and the reason for that is you know spectacular views 
Yeah. I think brunch is one of the best kept secrets at California Grill. Okay. So they only do it on a Sunday. Um, and it's also something that you get any value for money you're there for what whole hour and a half yeah. as well rather than just a quick experience or something like that food's amazing incredibly good value yeah. um unlimited mimosas always help always so um it's and it's something that has a special place in you know my heart my wife's heart so i i would definitely say that amazing oh well i i say this as i say to all of my guests i really hope we can all get back to living that disney dream as soon as possible i think we all just need a bit of disney magic right now and i'm hoping that this podcast is 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 at least bringing a bit of that home but so, kev you're welcome i, I just say um we we're, we're planning planning for the 10-year wedding anniversary next year to go to orlani in hawaii <sighs> oh my now, god we've got every we've got our fingers crossed toes crossed it would be a lovely way to celebrate that that great milestone so i really really hope that that happens for you and i mean you. congrats in advance as well it's been it's it sounds like it's been the absolute best roller coaster that you could have been on with with um julianne thank you so so much for coming and sharing this story it's it's i feel honored to have you on this podcast and for you sharing You're welcome. it welcome so. it's been an absolute pleasure i've really enjoyed it of course, no worries. I just want to say a big thank you to Kev, everyone. Woo! <laughs> um, but this has been another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast member. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, follow our Instagram, and listen to all of the other episodes because they're just as magical as each other. Keep spreading the magic, everyone. And bye for now. Bye.